responding as God would have us when someone fails. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Hi there, friend. Glad you could join us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. When you see a brother or sister fail, how do you react? Do you think to yourself, they got what they deserved? Are you even a little bit happy about it? Well, today we'd like to encourage you to have a much different response, and that is to help them seek to restore and bring them back. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them again to Hebrews chapter 12 and Galatians chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 12, Galatians chapter 6, and a Bible study that I've entitled, When You See a Brother or Sister Fail. When you see a brother or sister fail. We've been learning about faith. We're going through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're in chapter 12. We've been learning about faith, the importance of maintaining a laser focus on Jesus, laying aside the sin and the weight that weigh us down, the heaviness that comes, learning how to run our race with joy. And that's what Paul does in chapter 12. He compares the Christian life to running a race. But don't get in your mind a race where there's competition, where your whole goal is to get the fastest time and to beat as many people as possible. But rather, in this race, We're not trying to compete with anyone, but rather we want to finish. That's the only goal. We want to finish. We want to finish well. Not only do we want to finish and finish well, we also want to take as many people as possible with us. And as we're running, we learned last time, notice in verse 12, in chapter 12, that people get weak and they fall along the way. So therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The temptation to quit, to slow down, to backslide, seems to come at the worst possible time. I mean, nobody really ever plans to backslide. Nobody ever plans to quit. It just happens. One little compromise at a time. So we're to learn to strengthen one another as we're running this race, watching out for each other, making sure that we all finish together. It's like Paul here in Romans 12, or excuse me, Hebrews 12 at the end is saying, come on guys, the finish line is right up ahead. Let's keep going. Let's help one another. 
Let's strengthen one another. Let's look out, out for each other. There's pain on the journey. Yes, of course. Pain sometimes comes through as we learn the chastening hand of God or the training and discipline of a loving father. That can be painful. Sometimes pain on the journey comes from our own sinful decisions. And we deal with the consequences of our dumb, sinful decisions. Sometimes pain on the journey comes because of someone else's sinful decisions. And we pay the price for that. Yes, there's pain on the journey, but there's also healing on the journey. And there's healing in the race. And you can get back up even if you fall down. But this is no time to look backwards. This is no time to quit. Even as things get harder. We're to strengthen one another, it says in verse 12. You see somebody hanging down and discouraged and falling back, stop, pick them up, help them along the way. And this is where I think our church excels, as I've observed our church now for almost 21 years. Our church excels not only with each other, but also in our community, encouraging one another in the Lord, helping one another, serving one another, rising to the occasion when special needs arise praying for one another, serving one another, encouraging in the word, praying, singing, coming together in such a way where God is honored, developing friendships and partnerships along the way. Today I want to reveal to you and I want to show you from God's word an added extra help when somebody fails and falls alongside of us. Would you go with Galatians over to Galatians chapter 6 with me? We want to learn with some practical help what happens and what are we to do when we see someone fall and we see someone fail. What does it really look like to strengthen a brother? What does that look like and how does God describe it? Well, here in Galatians 6, we have insight. We're going to spend a couple weeks looking at various insights on how to help a brother and how to help a sister when they fall. Notice with me Galatians chapter 6 in verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Notice first that the address is to brethren, to believers. This is a message to the church. Now, of course, this was a message to many churches in an area known as Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. It was given to a few churches in that area, but it's written to believers. It's written, say, hey, brothers and sisters, listen to this. I want your attention. If a man is overtaken in any trespass. So the Bible's saying, keep your eyes open for people that are overcome by sin. Keep your eyes open for people that are getting involved in sin. Keep your eyes open. Watch out for one another. This is an area of weakness in someone's life that needs strength from, notice, the spiritual men and women in the church. Those of you that are spiritual. A lot of people like to say they're spiritual. And a lot of believers like to say they're mature. This is a way that you can reveal your maturity. 
And that is by helping a brother or sister that's fallen, that has been overtaken by any trespass, any. For the Galatians, there's been division in the church. Division between those that are hyper-legalistic and dropping a bunch of rules and regulations on and those that have experienced the grace of God. There's division, there's infighting, there's hyper-judgmentalism. If you've ever met someone that's very legalistic, you know they're very judgmental. They're always finding the problems. They're always seeing the weaknesses. And so what he's saying is, okay, so if you have eyes to see weaknesses and you have eyes to see people struggling and you have the eyes to be able to see that, then this is your mandate. Help them. Don't hurt them. Don't make it worse. Because notice he describes them in verse 1 as someone that's overtaken. Overtaken. You can circle that word if you'd like to write in your Bibles. There's a few words I want to draw out for you today. This word overtaken means to be surprised by. It it means to be shocked or caught off guard. So here it is in the context of Hebrews chapter 12. You're running your race. You're making progress. You're doing well in the thing. And then you're overtaken by a sin. You're caught by temptation. You're actively running away from sin but then you're caught up on it. And I think, of, I think of something that's real common. You know, you've got your phone, you're, you're looking for something, you Google something, you click it, and then something pops up, and you're like, I didn't want that. And as it pops up, though, you follow along. And you click again, and you click again, and before you know it, you're involved in something and overtaken by something that you never wanted to get involved in. You didn't plan it, you didn't premeditate it, but the temptation popped up, and you bit. And now you're caught. And now you're stuck and you're overtaken. And it's amazing as pastors will tell you time and time again, you've got to be careful where your eyes go. You got to be careful what you listen to. You got to be careful the people you hang out with. Hey, even the Bible says, the Bible says that evil company will corrupt good habits. Compromise always leads to more compromise. And it happens. It happens all the time where men and women are overtaken by a trespass. Okay, so now we agree it happens. What's our response? For those that are spiritual, notice it says, restore such a one. You want to seek to restore people, to bring them back. So many times it's easy to see people, their faults and their failures and their problems and their hang-ups and their mistakes. And the question is, what's our response? How do we react? Really, what's the condition of our heart? Do we even care? And what are we supposed to do? Well, he says, those of you that are spiritual, help restore them. Help bring them back. I mean, first of all, you got to look for them. You got to notice. And when you do, your heart is to restore. Here's another word I want to point out to you. Circle that word restore. It literally means to set. It's a medical word. It comes to us in the Greek. Remember the New Testament, the original language is the Greek language, the common day Greek language of the first century. It's called the Koine Greek. And we have it translated into English for us. So sometimes the word, the English words don't give you the substance of the Greek word. This word refers, it's a medical word that refers to the setting of a broken, fractured bone. Because that's what sin does. It breaks. And it fractures. And it splinters. And it ultimately destroys. The idea of restoration here is to go in with a heart to repair. 
to help a brother and sister. Because here's the thing that I've found. There is a twistedness in our minds and in our lives, in our humanity, that most of us share where we're a little happy when someone falls. Almost like they deserved it. That's what they get. Here I am, I've stayed away from that sin, but they didn't, and they got what they deserved. You know, maybe it's this attitude where you hear of a pastor that has fallen into sin and disqualified himself. And it's almost like, you know, and that happened recently with a pastor, pastored a church of thousands of people. And it's so sad to see the response of many people. Well, you know, he deserved it and he shouldn't have done it. And, and you know, that's what mega pastors do and mega church pastors and all, all of that. And, and the folks are just missing the point that this man is married and he has children and he hurt a lot of people. And so the church is reeling. And instead of being happy that he has crashed and burned so bad, where's the heart to help a brother? Where's the heart to pray for his family and pray for the brokenness of his wife and, and the shame that the kids are carrying and all? Like instead, we get there are those like, oh, you know, he got what he deserved. You know, perhaps he's paying the price for his sin, and that's unfortunate. But so are a lot of other people. And the enemy trapped him, took him down. Maybe it's not even in the church. Maybe it's just somebody you're competing with at work, you know, and they get in trouble and now they don't get the promotion and inside you're secretly happy. They're like, yeah, it's about time. Maybe I'll get the promotion now. But no, where's your heart to help? Where's your heart to come alongside and strengthen, especially in the church? Paul, the Bible says this, the spiritual man and the spiritual woman doesn't ridicule someone that's fallen, doesn't ridicule a fallen comrade or gossip about him or reveal it to the world. Instead, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. How? In a spirit of gentleness. It's going to require a special gentleness when you're dealing with brokenness. That's just the way it is. Because sin always brings brokenness and we, we want to be careful, gentle, very sensitive to the hurt and the pain that we're dealing with. Let me, let me give you an example. Because when you see somebody fall, you're left with a choice. When you see someone's failure, you have a choice to make. And I think it's greatly illustrated in the life of Noah and his sons. Would you turn back to Genesis chapter 9 with me? Genesis chapter 9. You know, Noah entered into the ark right before the flood, the judgment of God with his sons and their wives and his wife. And now the flood is over. The waters have receded. After many days of tossing and turning upon the floodwaters of God's judgment, the ark, this large boat, finally rests. Noah and his family exit the ark. They begin to repopulate the earth. They're excited about new life. And you know, Noah gets a little too excited as we find in, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, notice. Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. 
So Noah comes, he plants a vineyard. There's time that passes here. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes time for the, for the vines to grow and for the grapes to come. And, and over time, he takes of the vineyard, he makes wine, he gets drunk on it. And as he's drunk, he does something really dumb in his tent. He becomes uncovered. He's a naked mess, a drunken naked mess in his tent. He is truly not only in sin, but he's acting foolishly out of his sin. Notice, you have two options here that are laid before us when we're exposed to other people's foolishness, when we're exposed to other people's sinful foolishness. Here's choice number one, and it's illustrated by his son Ham. In verse 22 it says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Here's choice number one. He sees his father in sin and acting foolishly, and he chooses to tell. He sees and tells. He exposes the weakness of his dad in his sin to his brothers. And the idea behind this word in the Hebrew is he exposes his dad. He advertises it. Today, what we would call that is gossip. He sees and he tells. And, and the implication in this text is he immediately tells. He doesn't hold it to himself. He sees and he tells. He exposes and begins to say things about his dad. And you can get the idea. You know, maybe this would be translated today. Hey, guys, you wouldn't believe it. Look at dad. He's wasted. Mr. Self-righteous. The one that, look at him. He's a naked, drunken mess. Let's go make fun of him and expose him. What a sinner. Or option number two, notice in verse 23, it starts out with the word but in contrast. But Shem... And Japheth, they took a garment and they laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So here is the option between exposure and covering. So let's be clear here. There are certainly times when sin needs to be exposed and maybe needs to be brought into the light where we need to tell the truth, perhaps getting in the leadership of the church involved. That's not of what we're speaking today. It's not the idea of covering sin for the sake of making excuses for someone and not bringing something to light. This is brother to brother. It says, how do we in the body of Christ help a brother or sister when they have failed miserably? Well, one option, and I've seen it many times, is that there's gossip and rumors spread about people. So, oh, did you hear about and did you know? And, and a lot of times the situation's made far worse through lies and deceit. That should not be named among us, church. To hurt a brother or sister that has fallen, like Ham here. Say, so, hey, did you hear about? And a lot of times it's done like in time. Hey, let's pray for so-and-so. Okay, let's pray. And then in your prayer, you just kind of lay out everything you know about a brother or sister instead of being spiritual. See, if you engage in gossip and rumors and you engage in destroying a brother or sister, you are an immature follower of Christ. That's immaturity. That is not a spiritual maturity. And so you can just know. 
You get caught up in it, you can just know that that, that is not a response of maturity. It's spiritual immaturity. Because the spiritual person, the mature one, will seek to restore. And I love this illustration. They walk backwards. You know, either, it could be one of two ways. They could take a garment behind them on their shoulders and walk backwards. So each of them are covering up different aspects of their dad. Or they could have one large garment where it's on my shoulder, on their shoulder, walking backwards and going, look, I don't even want to see this. And there are times where you must make a choice. I don't even want to see this. I don't even want to hear it. And you shut it down right away. You just got to shut it down. People come to you with rumors and gossip and, and that part of you that wants to hear more. You know the culture you live in, right? This culture loves gossip. Their whole industry is designed to give you the latest news, real or imagined, about celebrities, about anything and everything. Getting the scoop on their life, a lot of times on the sins of their lives. What happens in the church too? And you just got to learn to shut it down. To say, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to receive it. We're to help those who have failed, not add to the hurt. A good word there for us today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor's message, When You See a Brother or Sister Fail, can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as we closed, you mentioned the right and wrong way to handle things when someone sins against us. We've seen in recent years all sorts of things posted about people on the Internet, airing it out for all to see. But as you said, the Bible encourages a much different and private approach. Why is that the better way to handle a grievance? You know, Larry, that's a great question. And the answer is it's better because it is the way, not a way. It is the way Jesus told us to handle our grievances. It, it is the way. Jesus couldn't have been clearer. You know, when we have interviews for those men and women that might join our team here, the last part of their, of their time in the interview process is with me. And I will ask them this question, do you know how to handle conflict biblically? And we'll let, let the answer come, and almost always they, they hit it on the head. Sometimes there's some explanation, or maybe they can, they can handle things. And then I say, well, is there anywhere in the Scriptures that you got that from? And sometimes they'll answer yes, and sometimes they'll go, well, you know, I, I don't know what the address is, and I'll give them the address. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. There is no better way than the way of Jesus. There's no better way. But all of us have failed here. I don't know that anybody listening to me, and me included talking out loud listening to me, has failed in this area. Uh, sometimes, well, I needed to go talk to someone about counsel. You don't need counsel. It says right here to go to them. Uh, well, I needed to ask someone's opinion. You don't need someone's opinion. It says, go talk to them. Well, you know, I thought I should put it out on Facebook. You don't need to put it on Facebook. You, the, Jesus said, go to them. Yeah, but it's so hard. Yeah, it is. It's so difficult. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so awkward. Yeah, it is. But God is with you when you're with him. I, that's so encouraging. And I have to say the times that I haven't obeyed Jesus here, I have suffered the consequence. And it'll be same for you. The Lord will help you. 
just do it. Don't post about it. Don't talk about it. Don't, don't even, you know, in a prayer group, you know, I think I'll do it after I tell everybody in my prayer group. No, make the call, send the text, and go and speak to them. That's the principle. Why is that a better way? Because the way of Jesus is always a better way. Great question. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Each month, we pick out a book to help you develop a spiritual library with the hope and prayer it will aid you in your walk with the Lord. Here in September, we've got a good one to share with you, written by Louis Giglio, titled, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Would you like to break free from the chains of negative thinking and experience true freedom from unhealthy thoughts and emotions? You can. In this book, you'll discover practical ways to overcome Satan's lies and find peace and security in any situation you find yourself in. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE or order online at calvaryco.store. Don't miss our next study in Hebrews. We'll pick up right where we left off today. That's here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 